Welcome to Christian Life Church Podcast. Please subscribe to our channel. As you know, we've been looking at a subject that I think for many of us has um, in many ways kind of got lost a little bit in our lives. Um, We know that it's a great privilege for us to walk with Jesus. Do you believe that? I think it's the most exceptional privilege. And I think sometimes we've taken some of the attributes or the nuances to that relationship and we've almost become a little bit prescriptive with how we engage with them. So let me give you an example of that. Prayer. It's good for us to pray. Three of us are nodding, that's a start. It's actually very good for the human soul Is that Jesus looking for me? (laughs) It's very good for the human soul to pray. Prayer actually opens you up to all kinds of great, uh, beautiful things with God. And when we pray, we're not praying, and we shouldn't be praying, out of a sense of duty or obligation. We're praying because we long to know and to be and to surround ourselves with the goodness of God. But if I use the word prayer, often it conjures up a very intense religious and sometimes strident way of interacting with God and yet that was never God's intention. God never wanted it to be that. He just wanted to be with you. (laughs) And just like people who love each other when they are together, there's so many things to say and so much to hear and so much to experience and sometimes if you really are intimate with someone, sometimes saying nothing is the best words you could ever use. You just don't need to say everything. I I sometimes listen to my own prayer life and I think, you know, I'm kind of like repeating myself a lot with God. Do you ever repeat yourself with God? Like he's got amnesia or something. Do do you ever get to the point where you think if you tell him enough, he's going to do it? See, these are all nuances, I think, that, that for many reasons have robbed us of the beauty of prayer. Pure is, it's purest form. Prayer is community. It is communion with the one who knows everything. If you think about that, why would you even speak when the one who knows everything wants to speak, wants to minister, wants to bring clarity and wisdom and revelation to you? And so prayer, I think, sometimes gets a bad press. (laughs) I think we have turned some of these beautiful things into things that have become clunky and awkward and sometimes difficult. And when they don't work like that, we think God's not listening to us, which is a tragedy because God never stops listening. He never stops watching. He's consistently and persistently committed to you. So I think prayer needs an upgrade. I think we need to understand what prayer really is meant to be. Another one, and it's probably where we're focusing now, is is mission. You know, mission was given to us by God in the most exceptionally generous way that we could be partakers of experiencing and exploring the power and the greatness and the glory of God. God could have done all of this without you and me. (laughs) In fact, I often say to him, you'd be better off without me. I sometimes get in the way of that. And we've taken this wonderful invitation to explore humanity from the perspective of God's love and his compassion, his mercy, and we've reduced it to things that we call outreach or evangelism or all of these words are in the scriptures, but I think behind them, the heart of God must be explored. We must revisit some things, you know, because 
here's the, the heartbeat of mission. And it should be the heart of any mission that we seek to go on with Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not have to perish in their hopelessness, their emptiness, and their brokenness. But they could experience here on earth the beauty, the beauty of salvation. They could experience the goodness of God while they're here in the land of the living. Does that sound something that's boring to you? Of course it's not. Does that sound prescriptive by God? Of course it isn't. God wanted to take us on this great adventure, meeting people, people who, for whatever reasons, gave up all hope that life could ever be changed. People who thought that God wouldn't be interested at all in them. People who are so outside of the parameters of religious community that if you were to look at them, you'd think, I'm not sure if they would even give a jot about Jesus. And God said to you and to me, come with me. I'm going. I'm going to meet them. I'm going to be with them. Do you want to be there? Do you want to be there when the lights come on? Do you want to be there when hope is restored? Do you want to be there whenever I turn up in power and all of that sickness they've battled with for years will be completely and utterly transformed in a second? Do you want to be there whenever someone who's lived so rejected and abandoned from all kinds of bad experiences in life finds love and love finds that person? Do you want to watch that? Do you want to see that? Do you want to be part of that? And we've taken all of that and we've made it a duty or a responsibility or something that Chobi does on a Saturday. And yet God is saying the fields are ripe unto harvest. You see, there's people everywhere looking for Jesus. They may not be looking for the church, but when they see him, I'm telling you this, they will be so attracted to him because he is breathtaking. When you see Jesus, you can't undo that. You can't go back to life without it. It's like your whole world is transformed when you just catch one glimpse of the reality of who Jesus is. You cannot undo what God is doing in your life. And all around us, in all kinds of contexts, in all kinds of ways, there are people who are waiting with eager expectation, hoping somebody somewhere, somehow, will show them how to find life how to find hope, how to find peace. And look at us, we're God's motley crew. <laughs> we're God's secret weapons of mass destruction. Do you feel particularly powerful today? <laughs> but if you know Jesus, if you are known by Jesus, if you live in relationship with Jesus, you have so much to give to so many people. And I don't know about you, but I think it's time that the church left the building. It's time we got out a little bit more into our world and started to see what God is doing all over the place. And there's so many people. We are being blessed at the moment by people who don't really know Jesus. They're coming along here. But can you imagine what it would look like if we took that, that invitation to adventure and exploration and said, God, here I am. Send me. If I woke up every day with that kind of intentionality, God, you're going to do something wonderful. I know you are because you always do wonderful things. Could I just be there and see it? Could I be part of that story? And so this week, as I was contemplating this whole series, I thought, I've done this a misservice. I've, I've taken something so beautiful and I've tried to make it a little bit 
of a procedure or a process. And I wanted to apologize to you publicly for that because I, I think one of the most remarkable things that I have with God, and I have some remarkable things, I'm not remarkable, but these are remarkable things, is that I actually get to see some things about God that I think are the highest privilege on the planet. I get to experience some things with God and I think I don't deserve them, I know I don't deserve them, but he shows me aspects of his nature and his character and I can't tell you in words just how life-changing that has been for me. So I'm gonna turn this conversation upside down and inside out this morning. I hope you're up for that. The first thing I wanna start with is by declaring something that is an absolute truth about your life. Do you know that if you're a Christian here today, and that's not trying to exclude anybody, it's just trying to be clear about some things, you already have a blessed life. I mean, do you really know it? I don't, don't amen me, okay, because you know we do that in church, oh hallelujah, amen. I mean, do you actually know, really know, have no doubt whatsoever that you have a blessed life? Right now, you couldn't be any more positionally blessed with God than you are. Right now, Jesus has created that for you. Jesus has given that to you. It says of that blessed life that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Now, I'm not an important man. I don't get all the privileges that some important people do. I'm hoping one day maybe somebody would do that for me. But until then, I want to remind myself of this truth. I already, you as a Christian today, have already been given elevated status. You are seated with Christ in heavenly realms. And that means that what Jesus has created for you is access to everything the Father has in store for you. What Jesus has created for you is a position with God where you are just like him, a son or a daughter. The Bible uses these phrases, a co-heir with Christ. What that means for you today is that you are no longer the last of a long list of people who have no hope. You are right smack bang in the purposes and the power and the presence with the person of God. Hallelujah, somebody say hallelujah. Gosh, these clocks have done havoc to your energy levels. I couldn't be more blessed than I am today. I couldn't have a more secure blessing than Jesus has provided for me. Now, here's the problem. Maybe I have some misunderstanding with what blessing looks like. Because I may fall into the trap of thinking that blessing looks like worldly success. I may fall into the trap of thinking that to be blessed, I should have extensive financial capacities. I may be even fooled into thinking that to truly be blessed, I wouldn't have a problem in my life. But let me tell you what blessing is, the real blessing here. Not the imposter that comes to steal and destroy, the real blessing you have been given, 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 my friends. You didn't earn it, you couldn't find it, you couldn't get it. It was given to you. The real blessing you have is that you have a restored relationship with God. There is nowhere else to go from there. Jesus even said it himself, it's finished. 
Everything that made us at war with God has been resolved. You have a restored relationship with God. Can I even get an amen or a hallelujah or thank you pastor for reminding us or somebody throw money or something <laughs> towards the front. And you know what? Not only are you blessed, God's intention is to bless you even more. To take all that blessing all of that favor, all of that elevated status, all of that access to everything stuff that has been created and offered to us by Jesus. And today, right here, throughout the course of this day, you may not realize this or recognize this, but his whole intention for you, towards you, is to bless you. That's his heart. And he can't help himself. And I want to let you know something about God. He doesn't bless you because you've earned it. Because if you can earn it, it's not a blessing, it's a wage. He blesses you because you couldn't get to it. You can't find it. You couldn't create it. He blesses you because he is blessed by you. He is blessed with you. And he wants to bless you. I thought this was good news, but you all look miserable this morning. I think this is good news. What happened to you? Where have you gone? You're here. <laughs> Listen to this. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. This is the clarity we need in our lives. I've got this sorted, says the Lord. I've worked it all out. I figured it all out. I've spaced it out across your life. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper and to bless you, to give you such a robust hope that your future is secure. Someone say hallelujah to that. That's God's intention. That's just who he is and he cannot keep his hands off you. He will never turn his face from you. You are the apple of his eye. And today, no matter what the world says, you may, you may not be a star on TikTok or some kind of name written in OK or Celebrity Magazine. You may not appear on television, but God knows your name. He knows who you are, and he knows how to reach you with the blessing he has for you. And watch out, because it's coming. It's already started, and it's going to increase. Ah, oh, Jesus. Go to Genesis chapter 12 for me, please. In Genesis 12 verses 1 to 3, we see this intentionality clearly marked out for us by God. And it's something of a, an eye-opener for us to just think together for a moment about what this really means to us. Genesis 12 verses 1 to 3, it's God speaking to Abraham. And this is what he says, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. Can I pause for a moment and tell you secrets? Is that okay? Sometimes, sometimes the blessing God has in store for you requires you to move. It requires you to move from where you've camped. Now some of us in this room, we've just got stuck in some places. 
And the blessing you keep asking for is not going to arrive here because God has assigned it to be there. And while you may be comfortable where you are or even resigned in your heart that this is it, this is all I'm going to get out of life, I want to put a stop to that in the name of Jesus Christ because he has gone before you. He's prepared a table even in the presence of those who oppose you. And he's promised that your cup will overflow and all it takes is for you to get up from where you find yourself and be willing in your heart to go where he leads you. If God tells you to move, move in Jesus' name. Move, because you're moving towards the fullness of the blessing you already have been given. See, we wanna be blessed, but we wanna stay in our comfort zone. We wanna be blessed, but we wanna stay in our bitterness. We wanna be blessed, we wanna stay in our forgiveness. You know, some of us have got so hijacked by the past, we have no appetite for the future. And yet God says, come, come. To me, all of you are burdened and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Don't put a yoke on anything that doesn't move. God is one to bridle you with hope. He wants to overwhelm you with a sense of future. And if you're stuck where you were, you can't get where you need to be. And so movement is required. And in this particular case, God speaks to a man who had a good life. This wasn't a bad life. This was a good life. He thought he was set up for the rest of his earthly experience. But in Christ, we are not settlers. We are called to be pilgrims or pioneers. He's always moving. God is always moving. God is always leading. And the blessing you keep asking for today might be in your tomorrow if you just get up off your blessed assurance and move towards what God has set before you. Hallelujah. Amen. And Abraham does just exactly that because his heart is so taken up by Yahweh. He can't help but move where Yahweh invites him to move. And so he leaves behind some things. You know, I love the songs from the Motown era. Is any Motown fans here? I'm a great lover of Motown music. You, you know, I won't dance for you. I wouldn't embarrass myself. But I was, actually, I was quite the move. I was quite the shifty nifter in those days. But, the, but let me tell you about this. There's a song, and it's a song that keeps coming back to my life. It's the words of a, of a great singer, a great, great singer called Dionne Warwick. She says this, only fools lose tomorrow looking back at yesterday. I don't want to be foolish. I don't want to be stuck here when I'm called there. I don't want to live in poverty here spiritually when I can live in abundance over there. I want to arise. I want to go where the Spirit leads me to go. I want to be where the Father invites me to. I want to see what I can't see right now from this position. Is this speaking to you at all? You know what we're seeing now? If this carries on, this is going to get really uncomfortable. Because some of us are coming to church and we haven't recognized we are the church. Some of us are asking for God to move and we didn't realize we were the obstacle to that movement. Some of us are saying, God, move in power and God will say, well, if you just get up out of bed a little earlier and maybe spend five minutes with me, we may be able to have a conversation about all the great things I have in store for you today. Some of us have become churched. We become familiar with the routines, what's expected. You turn up, you show up, you shout out, you go home. 
But I'm telling you this, church, and listen to my words. I'm speaking from my heart to yours. There is a land that the Father has taken us to that's rich in milk and honey. There is a place that the Spirit is guiding us to that will blow your mind. It will blow your mind. There's a call on the church to fulfill the mandate that's placed on us by Jesus Christ, and that is this expansive world where every place we put the soles of our feet. He has already gone before us, and he has given it to us. This is exciting, but you'd never tell by your faces. This is an adventure, but you're so used to being a partaker or a spectator, you've forgotten how to be a partaker. This is about God moving. When God moves, he might move in you, he might move through you, and he might move you. So Abraham does as all obedient servants did. He went, because what else have you got? And how do we do this? Let me explain this to you. God, I find, doesn't always tell you everything about the new destination. Do you know why? Because you wouldn't go. Because <laughs> here's the problem. You're so prone to looking for problems, you can't find promises. And God has said, over here, I've got all these great things for you. And you say, oh, but there's giants in that land. Couldn't I just get a ticket and couldn't we meander through until eternity? No, God says, arise, shine, the light has come, my glory is waiting for you. Oh, well, nod off if you will. But as for me and my house, we're going. We're going wherever God's leading. I want to see, I want to see his glory. I want to see his fullness. I want to see his blessing. And look at it says, carry on reading it with me. God said he would show the land to Abraham. And this is what he said. This is his promise. I will make you into a great nation. And listen to God's words over your life. I will give you a hard time. I will make you a religious bigot. I will make you mean-spirited. I will make you judgmental towards people who are not in the kingdom of God. What does he say? Come on, talk to me. I will bless you. But it doesn't end there. Not only have we positioned or been positioned by Christ in the fullness of that blessing, we are now learning to walk in that blessing and we are expecting God to do something more for us in regard to the manifestation of that blessing, but the blessing is about something far more than just our lives. I will make your name great. In other words, when people think about you, they'll talk about me. I will make your name great. I'm going to use my grace to give you a highway to greatness. Jesus said these words in the New Testament, greater things you will do even than I have done. Does this sound dull to you? Because that sounds like an adventure for me. I would be satisfied with walking on water. But Jesus mentions to his people, more than that, more than anything you saw me do, greater things you will do. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. And some things for our friends in the room to understand today. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. In other words, from the fullness of the blessing in me, you will start to impact other people. Look at verse 3. I will bless those who bless you. 
Do you know today, God has set you up. There are people he's been speaking to, ministering to, and preparing. And their whole purpose is to bless you. Oh, you thought the world was against you. (laughs) Okay, you thought you had to muddle through on your own. But God is setting you up with people whose assignment here on earth is to bless you. Oh, you're definitely asleep this morning. Can I just tell you this? They might be sitting behind you. They might be on the bus next to you. They might be at your workstation alongside you. All over this planet, God has already stirred the hearts of his secret agents. And their whole reason to communicate with you is to bless you. I don't know why you're not rejoicing at this this morning. But let me tell you. When you start to catch something of this, you live differently. You live expectantly. And you treat people with dignity. Because you don't know who those people are. And I found in my life that they're the most unusual candidates. You know, when we went through the valley of the shadow of death, there were people who came out of the woodwork for me. And I'm telling you this in the name of Jesus Christ. I would never have thought with all the prayer intercession in the world that those people would reach out to me. And God had assigned to them for a season in our lives to become the source of blessing. They brought healing and restoration. Some gave financially to a point in our lives where we had nothing. God raised people. He had prepared people to bless us when we couldn't be a blessing to anybody financially. He brought people who were a blessing to us financially. And we left a two-year window without hardly any income. And we had 30,000 pounds in the bank. I've never had savings. I don't know where the money came from. Why? Because without me realizing it, A time had come when my father in heaven knew that I couldn't do for myself what I had always done. And he is no man's debtor. No man's debtor. And so it came, and it was very humbling, very humbling, for somebody to come to me and say, I'd like to bless you with this. I tell you what, we all want to be a blessing, but it's hard to receive a blessing. But I'm reminding you today, you're not here by chance or by accident. God has assigned blessing for you. And there are people in your life and the whole reason for being there is to bless you. Treat them with dignity. Treat them with kindness. Don't be presumptive about who they are or what they're bringing. And the big picture, I'm going to end with this because you want to be home. I know you're tired. The big picture is, and you who are blessed, you who are given all that is available through Christ Jesus, it couldn't get any better. You who have people assigned in this world to be a blessing to you, also have those who do not want to bless you. And I want to say a little bit about those people. You see, that's the test of whether my capacity for blessing is or isn't working. It's not how I treat those who bless me that God is impressed by. It's how I treat those who curse me. I can be so blessed that if people hate me, I can still bless them. Wouldn't that be cool? I can be so blessed that if people say things against me, I just want to say lovely things about them. I can live, I'm going to keep going till you wake up. I can be so blessed. Okay, so full of God, 
that it doesn't matter how many demons are in you when you're speaking over my life. I can look you in the eye and say, God loves you and he has great things for you and feel nothing in my heart but a radiant love and passion for your life. Do you know why that's possible? Because the one person who exemplifies that kind of way of living with great clarity for all of us in this room was Jesus himself. Though he was beaten and flogged and accused, slandered, he did not open his mouth. And right there at that cross, you were his enemy. You were at enmity with God. And yet he said over you, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. He blessed you all down the ages. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You are living proof that God loves unconditionally, living proof that whatever you said or did, sin-wise or hate-wise or whatever-wise, when the Father looks at you, he delights in you. Well, thank you, Jesus. And beyond that, the great story is not that I'm blessed, which is great news for me because I need it. Or that God's assigned people to pour out blessing on my life. I need that. We all need people. Or even that those who curse me, I have in time learned how to bless those who are against me. My adversaries somehow cause me to see his glories. But the great, great big picture is this. That all the nations, all the people of the earth will be blessed through you. You see, there's a whole world out there of all kinds of people from all kinds of backgrounds. And you're not here on your own to get everything you can and leave with your spiritual pockets full. You're here to get everything that Jesus has for you and make sure that everyone around you gets a taste. Everyone around you gets to see. Problem for all of us in this room is we're so used to living outside of blessing we don't know how to live inside of it. We're so used to living without a God who desires and delights to give that we keep scrapping for scraps from a table, competing with one another, fighting over things that eternally have no great value. The world is more fractured than it's ever, ever been. And everybody's offended at everybody else's perspective. God, mercy, let your mercy fall upon your people. And the truth is, all of those behaviors are because we have lived like orphans and we do not know or have not recognized or haven't fully embraced this truth that we have been called by the blessed one to live in the fullness of his blessing. God lacks no good thing. And when you're with him and he's in you, you lack no good thing. That's why... I think this is important because if I want to walk in the fullness of the blessing, I need to give the blessing away. I can't hold on to everything. What does it profit you if you die with tens of thousands in your bank account, but you were so mean you couldn't buy a birthday card for your son? What does that profit you? 
What are you holding on to? Why are you holding on? Do you ever ask that? What is it about our insecurity that we think if we fill our bank with money, we're going to be okay? I tell you what, there's no pockets in a shroud and you can't take anything with you. And the people you've resisted in blessing, they'll get it all anyway. And they won't have you nipping at their ear to tell them how to spend it. Come on, wake up. As for me and my house, we're going out on a blaze of glory. Jane has promised me if I die first, I'm not sure she's praying for that, but if I die first, okay, she's going to go around the world on a cruise. Hopefully not on the day of the funeral. It might be just a little bit hard to accept. She's going to go around the world on a cruise. And you know what? Why not? And why would I not want her to do that? We have walked like you have walked through nothing. And if God blesses us with something, I would want the people in my life I love to be blessed. What are you holding on to? You think you can hang on to that stuff? Ah, we're in a worldwide economic downturn. If you want to be blessed in the downturn, turn up in a different way in the world in which God's placed you. And stop being somebody who's trying to seek something to get something. Be somebody who's trying to give something. And here's how you can do it. You can have a meal. Is it on? Hey! You don't have to write all of this down. Let me take two more minutes of your time. We've placed on our website, if you just click the little button that says resources, all of this information. But Jesus, who was full of blessing, everywhere he went blessed other people. And if it worked for him, it might work for you. He sat down with people that society rejected. He went and had dinner with people that everybody hated. The tax collectors, the money lenders, they were hated by the Jews and despised by the Romans. They had no friends. But when Jesus saw them, when Jesus was anywhere near them, he went and he sat with them. He had food with them. And we don't know this because we're not from that culture, but having food with people, this is what it says. We are friends. You're welcome. Take your place. Now, Jesus was criticized for spending too much time with drunkards, tax collectors, and prostitutes. Okay? But here's what he said when people criticized him. The son of man or the, does not come that they who are well should have a doctor, but I have come so that they could have freedom and life. Why? Because when you have nothing, you are captive. But the one who is everything sitting amongst you at a table releases life to you in all kinds of ways. Jesus knew what he was doing. He did it intentionally. He sat with the ones that society and religious protocols wouldn't allow. And here's why he did it. I'm going to leave you with this thought. Because at the table of God, there's no hierarchical structures. At the table of God, everybody is welcome. At the table of God, there's a seat assigned to you. You'd have to earn it, you'd have to find it, you'd have to scrap somebody else or beat somebody else up to get it. God has provided for you a space at his dining table and you can taste and see that the Lord is good. At the table of God, all social, all religious protocols, because the important people would sit in some seats and the unimportant in others, are blown out the window. Why? Why? Because Jesus 
levels the playing field so that everybody can have access to God. He even on the night he was betrayed didn't stand and give a sermon to his disciples. He sat and had a meal with them. And we hear the bits that he says, but we don't have written down the bits that other people said. And they would have sat like friends and talked about all kinds of things. And Jesus shows them why this is important. He washes their feet and he says, this is my body given for you. There's something sacred when we come together as a family or invite some people who are as yet are not friends, but over dinner they become friends. There's something sacred, sharing food with somebody else. It kind of says, I see you. I like what I see. Come, see me. Come be with me. On this part of the website, you'll get lots of ideas to experiment with this. But here's what I think is the take home or the take out as we're talking about food. There's something sacred when people are just together. It creates an atmosphere for God to do something wonderful amongst us. That's why on Good Friday evening, we're not doing the everything up on the stage thing and everybody sitting in the seat thing because we're community, we're human, we need each other, we wanna hear what each other is going through, what each other's thinking, why? Because if it was good enough for Jesus and it created a space for God to move in power, then maybe, just maybe, that might work for some people who come along. Take the opportunity to invite friends, family, come and eat, come and taste, come and see, because God is really good. Stand with me, please. Lord, we all keep saying we want to live the blessed life. And I thank you, Father, that we at least understand there is somehow, in some way, blessing when it's connected to you. But more than the trinkets or the treasures, more than your blingdom come, I'm asking for your kingdom to come, Lord. Would you presence yourself at every gathering we have with our family? When we sit down to eat together, Lord, may the house be filled with your presence. And Father, help us to understand that if we include others, they too will experience that blessing for themselves. For we have bread that you have given us that when we share with others, somehow comes back to us, pressed up, shaken up and overflowing. We thank you, Lord, that in the ordinary, you've hidden something extraordinary. And we can give you all our excuses. I'm too busy, I'm too timid, I'm too shy. But Lord, anyone and everyone in this room has the capacity to have a cup of tea somewhere or a sticky bun with someone or pop into Starbucks if you're posh or whatever it is you do. Lord, we all have the ability to invite someone to say, let's just hang out for a bit and see what God does. And your word promises, because we carry your name, we're two or more gather in your name in the midst you will be. It doesn't take a crowd to draw your attention, God. It just takes a couple of people, a handful of people seeking life. Lord Jesus, give us the boldness to invite people over this Easter period to what's happening at the church, but better still, God,
open up the doors of our houses, the ones you've blessed us with, the table you set before us, Lord, that we've enjoyed for many, many years. And Lord, let there be spaces and places at those tables for so-called strangers to become family and friends. Lord, I pray that you would teach us how to live the way you want us to live. And Lord, that's an all-inclusive life. There should never be rejection or abandonment whenever there are people that carry your heart for humanity, Lord. Help us, God, to be like you, ministers of reconciliation. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you. I did the best to finish as close as we could. We'll see you next week, church. God bless you. If you're watching online, thank you for being with us this morning. Oh, yeah. Just before you go, church, hang on a second. Just before you go, just before you go. Ram, your mom has passed away, is that right? Can we just pray for Ram? If you could gather around him, please, maybe some folks. His mom has passed away very suddenly. Um, Please just pray a blessing on him. Come on, let's do that. And um, we are a family. Yeah, Father, we thank you that you are the God who comforts us in our grief, who strengthens us by your presence. And you have fingers that reach beyond words deep into the souls and the hearts of individuals. We pray for Ram and the family at this time that you, the God of all comfort, would comfort them with supernatural comfort, Lord. May they experience your peace and your blessing even in the midst of pain and grief. Father, we ask that you would abide and reside over their minds, their hearts, and their souls. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Amen.